Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse number 5 and terminating at verse number 6, these words, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God took him, took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was what? Pleasing to God, or he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to do what? You see how we take a verse number six and detached it from verse number five? There's a theme here in this text. And the theme is not only faith, but it's also pleasing God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You may be seated. We're going to do a last lesson and a final lesson on faith. And I want to talk about the faith to please God. The faith to please God. As we talk about, and as this final lesson on faith, evolving in our faith. You know, I found it one of the most uh, troublesome things in my spirit is to be in a friendship, in a partnership, in a relationship, in a marriage, in, in to have as family uh, somebody uh, and to deal with somebody that's hard to please. I, I mean... There's nothing like uh, those of you who are married or those of you who are dating, there's nothing like being in a relationship with somebody that you can't please. When, when, when you love them and you adore them and, you, and, and, and you, you give your heart to them, you open yourself, you fillet your heart open so that you can be vulnerable with, you, with them. And no matter what you do, they're not pleased. If you eat, you don't. You, you, you don't eat the right way. They're not pleased with how you eat. They're not pleased with how you look. They're not pleased. And, 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 and you do your best. You bend over backwards. They're not impressed with any gifts you give them. And it can be woman to men, man to women. But it, is, it can be the opposite of heaven to be in any relationship with somebody who's never pleased. You can never please them. You can never bring them to a place where they are, uh, they are happy with, uh, with what you're doing. You can never get to a place where you can appease them. And I'm going to tell you, that frustration that exists in whatever that relationship is, it, 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 you know, is the same frustration that people who uh, in, in the world of religion feel when they create in their minds a God that is law-based and has this expectation that in order to make me happy, you have to be perfect. I mean, I mean, can you imagine, if, if you can imagine being in a relationship where the person's never pleased, you cook for them, and no, I, I, I don't like that. I found that one of the potatoes was not fully cooked. 
You go and lavish her with gifts. And she says, well, this, this, this diamond, I like rose-colored diamonds. <laughs> Nothing can break a relationship like being in a relationship with somebody you can never please. Well, according to this text, you can get to a point where it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God if you're using your own perfection. It's impossible to please God if you're using your own standing, if you're using your own effort, if you're using your own worthiness. It is impossible to please God. Now I get why some people get frustrated with religion and get frustrated with church because in your mind you think in order for God to be happy, you have to do this right and get this right and get this right and this right. And often it's a projection of perhaps something you experienced even in your childhood from whoever your guardian was sometimes who, who, who applauded you and was only pleased when you got it right. But I'm here to tell you today the bedrock of Christianity as it pertains to us is faith. The bedrock of Christianity as it pertains to God is Christ. And the only way to be pleasing to God is not by your works of worthiness but by faith as a matter of fact anything else makes it impossible to please him now why are we going in this direction we're going in this direction because usually when we talk of faith we take a very selfish posture when it comes to faith when we're talking faith when we're talking faith most of the time we take the posture of you know you know, trusting God, and I'm having faith in God providing for me, right? I'm going to trust God to provide for me. Sometimes we, we, even our doxology, our singing, it's postured for us to be in the position where our faith is directed toward God. Watch this, so that we can make a withdrawal of some sort from God. We withdraw his protection. He's a protector, and he is. Say amen if you believe it. He's a provider. I mean, God is a provider. He, he, he provides in ways that will baffle you sometimes because by the time you get to your place of need, it's already there. It's already, I wish I had a witness, but I mean, you applied for a job that was talking about you before you applied for it. He is a provider. Somehow, some way you get furloughed and you're doing better after having been laid off than you were when you had the he is a provider and that posture of faith is the posture of faith is uh, that, uh, uh, that says I believe God to make a withdrawal but there's a posture of faith that the Hebrew writer talks about that has nothing to do with believing God to be in a position for us it's the faith that puts us in a position toward God. It isn't the faith that says, Lord, I want to withdraw your providence. I want to withdraw your protection. But it's the faith that says, Lord, I want to trust you enough not to be able to only withdraw from you. But Lord, I want to trust you so that you can withdraw from me. 
I mean, it's easy to be selfish and to say, I want God to provide and I want God. So here, watch this. The Hebrew writer is not starting out this book of Hebrews, this chapter. He's not starting out this chapter talking about all the things that people got from God. He's starting not with God's protection for man, not with God's providence for man. He's starting with faith on the level that says, I'm going to have faith in you and it's going to manifest by my pleasing you. You do know it's not a popular thing to talk about pleasing God. Because we, we you know, uh, you ever have a check, anybody ever write, you ever get a check uh, and the check was at a bank that you didn't have an account in? No? Okay, well, that, maybe that's only my experience. But every now and then somebody say, here, here's a check. Uh, I'm going to pay you for your service. I'm going to pay you. This is a Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Birthday, and you get this check. And you're, uh, you're, your account is at Wells Fargo. And, there, and the check is from Chase. And then you stop at a Chase bank, and you want to cash the check. Right? If I were to give out checks from Chase Bank today to every one of you that are here. How many of you would then say amen? Amen. amen. You would be like, amen. Well, say it that you don't have it because, you know, faith is a substance of things hopeful. Anyway, um, <laughs> what's interesting is whenever you do that and you go to the bank, they, number one, they won't let you get out of there if they're a good bank without doing one of two things. Either they try to convince you to get an account there, right? Or if you take away, what they will do is they will charge you for the money that you cash. And they say, okay, you cash in this check for $100, you're going to get $96 back because that's our fee. But the idea is we want to keep you. And what, in essence, they mean is, we don't want you to just take money. We don't want you to walk away and just take this money that, that comes through this check. We want you to leave money. We want you to invest. We want you to bank us your bank account. And unfortunately, in faith, when it comes to the, us as Christians sometimes, we talk about God's providence. We talk about his protection. We talk about all that he does, that he's a healer. He's this and that and the other. But yet we have to, but God is not just wanting you to withdraw everything he is and all that he does and everything he gives. He says, wait a minute, okay, I am a protector. I am a provider. But now I want to see that don't just withdraw that. I want you to trust me enough to please me, to be pleasing to me. And so you end up in religion with a lot of people that brag on what God is and what God does and what he gives, but don't posture themselves to walk pleasing to God. I'll wear your jersey. I'm just not quite ready to be on your team. I'll cash this check, but I'm not ready to start an account. I'll brag on how you fed me when I was hungry. But when it comes to my decisions, I want you out of that. And this text is not about being provided for. It is not about being protected from God. It is about pleasing 
God. The Hebrew writer talks about Enoch, and if you ever want to read that in, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, what you'll find is at the age of 65, the man named Enoch, he had a son named Methuselah who, Methuselah, who ended up being the oldest person in history. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. Enoch was his dad. And the Bible says something very peculiar about that because when Enoch had Methuselah, the Bible says at that point he began to walk with God. In other words, it almost looks like he didn't really respond to God. He didn't really connect with God until after kids came. And isn't it something how kids will change how you even look at God? There's some of you that whose kids are responsible, your kids are responsible for you getting serious about the Lord because a kid came into your life, you want to be everything. Well, the Bible says Enoch, when he, at 65, when he had Methuselah, he starts walking with God, and it says something very peculiar. I'm move, moving fast because I want, us to, I want us to get the one point I want to, uh, to push this morning. The Bible says he walked with God uh, for 300 years. I can't imagine living a hundred years and even though that's possible I just can't imagine it but he walked with God for 300 years and the Bible says that he walked with God so closely he walked with God so so intimately that God let him bypass the experience of death and the Bible says he walked with God and he was just translated he was no more he didn't die he walked with God until there was no more him he just disappeared, if you will. He walked with God until there was no more Enoch. He walked with God until you couldn't distinguish where Enoch ended and God began. Don't miss this. When you walk with God in faith, what begins to happen is you have, in a way, in, in, in a very, in a very uh, 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 symbolic way, you have an Enoch experience the more you walk with God. Because guess what happens? The more you walk with faith, in faith with God, is the more you wear down and God increases in your life. It's, it's, the more, it's the more you lose more of you and you get more of God. It's the more you get more intimate with God. And I'm going to tell you something. Faith is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing lifestyle, meaning you just don't have faith here. You walk by faith. It is a progression. You don't say, well, I got, got this job thing coming on. I'm going to trust God. No, when you have a life of faith, you include God, and watch this, you seek God. Now, that's not seeking God as if you don't know where he is. It's the kind of seeking that a man does with a woman he's madly interested in, and he's dating, and he wants him to be, wants her to be his wife. He seeks her. Now, watch this. It doesn't mean that, uh, that he's looking for her even though she's there. It means that he wants to go deeper. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the house. If you're single, if you're dating, maybe if you weren't, if you were married, if you're married, and you remember how it was. Huh? On the campus of Southwestern Christian College, I'll give this testimony. A young man with Timberland boots, hat to the side, call Kanai jeans and vests, graced the campus of Southwestern Christian College. 
There was a young lady there who had only new Pleasant Grove. <laughs> she looked at this young man as he gracefully and with swag walked across the college <laughs> campus. And she said, mm, mm, mm. Now she got to go right after the service is over. Don't talk to her. She, she has to go. Don't confirm anything I'm telling you. you know. <laughs> but when we first dated, I remember, I remember that we spent, even after a whole lot of things transpired, we spent time, a lot of time talking. After as she, I claimed her as my, as my woman. So I, watch this. I didn't claim her as my woman and say I got her. I was still seeking. I wanted to know more. I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to know where she came from. I wanted to know what she liked. And I wanted to know what made her happy. It was, that seeking was not something that stopped when, when and I'm going to tell you something, it ought not be something that ever stops. Whenever your marriage gets stale, it's because you're no longer seeking. Oh, now I don't want to turn this to relationships. I'm saying that there's nothing about her that you're seeking anymore. There's nothing about him that you're seeking anymore. And people grow apart because they stop seeking, just like we grow apart from God when we stop seeking him. In other words, we go with the last thing we knew about God. We go with the last thing we believed about God. We go with the last period we had faith in God. And so you're no longer seeking him because some of us feel like we have him. But the reason why why we can never officially have him because he has unsearchable riches, which means the more you think you know him is the more he shows you there's more to me than what you already know. And so when you stop seeking, it hinders your walk. Enoch trusted God and he kept seeking. He walked with God. This was not a literal walk. It meant he had this fellowship with God. And it, this fellowship, this trust that he developed in God caused him and postured him to want to please God. And, 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 and this pleasing God was not based on law, not based on whether or not, you know, I got to make sure I do what he says. No, no, no. Because look at the text here in the Hebrews chapter 11, the verse number 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to what? Please him. Now watch this. It did not say without faith, it is impossible to worship him. Don't mistake what you've become, what's become routine about you and God in your life as pleasing him. It does not say without faith, it is impossible for you to serve him. No, no, no. For anything we do to please him, it has to be founded on faith. So you can worship God but not please him. Do we understand what that looks like? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who got you flowers or a gift, but the gift didn't please you? No? Y'all mighty quiet. Online, I know somebody is looking at they, their, their significant other. That's right, that Father's Day gift. You gave it to me, but it didn't please me. 
Because it counts how you trust God when you worship him. It counts how you trust him when you serve him. And it's very possible to do things that you think please him, but because you're not doing it with faith, it is not pleasing him. Because it did not say without worship it's impossible to please him. It said without what? Faith. It is impossible to please him. So, 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 so you say, well, I do this. Are you doing it in faith? Are you doing it because you take God at his word? Are you doing it because you trust his character? Well, I do that. I do the other. But why? What's your motivation? Are you doing it because you trust God? Are you doing it? Is it come from a heart that depends on God? Now watch what he says. Watch this verse. Because I have been guilty over the years of running through Hebrews 11 and 6 and using it for the belief part of what we call the response to the plan of, the, the plan of salvation. Right? We say here, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Believe, Hebrews 11, 6, he, you know, without faith is impossible. And we run over it, but pay attention to the text. The Hebrew writer says, he that cometh to God, now he's going to mention two things, two aspects of faith. He said the first thing, that he that cometh to God has to believe is that he exists. Okay? First thing, okay? And of course, we use Hebrews 11 and 6 sometimes to talk about the gospel, but this is not, this is, this is not a text that is focused and, and in a literal sense talking about the gospel. This is talking about the bedrock of, being, of, of responding to it, but it's talking about faith in its very organic form. If you're going to come to God, the first thing you have to believe is that God exists. And that is obvious. Isn't that obvious to you? I mean, if you don't believe God exists, you won't come to God. The Hebrew writer, to me, seems like he's being very obvious. And it makes sense that if you come to God, you have to believe that he exists. That he's El Shaddai, Elohim, El El Yon, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Roy, Jehovah Rapha. You've got, you've got to believe that he is the God of all gods. He's the God of all creation. He's the God of the universe. He's the God from beginning to the end. He's eternal God. He's the omnipotent God. He's the omniscient God. He's the irrefutable, indisputable, undeniable, unshakable, cannot make a mistake God. Yes, you've got to believe that he is. But then, he says a second category. He says, he that cometh to God must not only believe that he is, but you have to believe that he is a rewarder. Now, I've found that in a lot of times my faith, I believe God is. That's, that's a given. But what we struggle with sometimes is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Why do you say we struggle with that? 
Because when you stop believing he's a rewarder, you stop seeking him. And if you look at the times in your life when you stopped seeking him, you and I, it was times where we felt like it wasn't paying to pursue God. Where we felt like it's not bringing dividends to keep trusting in God. Have you ever been in a point in your life where you felt like trusting God was overrated? When you see people around you doing it the way they want to do it and getting it, and here you are waiting on God, and so you just throw in the towel. You're no longer seeking him. You start making moves without praying. I need, I need to be, 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 be real practical. Here it is. When you stop seeking God, you move first and pray later. When you stop seeking God, you talk to everybody, you consult with other people, you get weak and you, watch this, your faith starts to turn into superstition. What do you mean your faith turned into superstition? Before you used to read the word, now you're reading the zodiac. Before you were saying, I'm a child of God, I'm trusting God, for him I live, for him I die, I know everything's going to be all right. This is the day that the Lord has made, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. But when you stop seeking God and you don't see any benefit from it and you no longer trust that he is a rewarder, you start looking at other things to get other advice, to get other alternatives for other results. So you move from this is the day that the Lord has made to this is Tuesday. And I'm a Scorpio. So why is it important? I get why it's important to believe that he is. But why is it important to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him? It's important to keep believing that so that you will keep having incentive to keep seeking. There it is. He is a rewarder, which means that God doesn't leave your faith unnoticed. It means that God will vindicate you. It means that God will validate you. It means in the, and, and, and what you will find for the rest of Hebrews chapter 11 are people who were rewarded because of their faith. And the reward, watch this, and when you trust that he is a rewarder, that trusting that he will reward your faith is not writing him the prescription for what the reward should look like. Because if you read the book of that chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, he rewarded some people's faith by letting them be in the lion's den and the lion's not eating them. But other people's faith he rewarded by letting them die and calling them home. But you have to trust that he's a rewarder. He sees your faith. He sees your faith. Keep seeking him. He sees your faith. He sees it. And he knows you're tired. Some of you watching, you're tired. And that's what the devil is doing in this season. He wants to wear your faith 
thin. He wants to make you tired of trusting God. He wants to get it to where it sounds corny. He wants you to become a scorner and a scoffer. And eventually, when you become a scoffer, you will begin to take an antagonistic attitude toward those who walk by faith. You will be one of the ones that call their walk by faith stupid. If you look through it, he talks about Noah. Imagine how stupid he looked. Up to this time in history, the only rain that happened, happened from beneath the ground. And now Noah is building some big ark, and he's not building it by the water. He's building it on dry ground. How stupid is that? It had never rained before in all of history. But Noah trusted God. He kept seeking God. He kept listening to God because his faith was empowered by hearing the word of God. And he kept building. How stupid is that? What are you building? That old man I mean, lost his mind. This is what's going on in the world. This is, look. You, what are you talking about rain? It's going to rain. And it didn't happen the day he pronounced it. Because faith will, tr watch this, when you are trusting God, you must also have patience because when you trust God for something, it's not going to happen. That's why your pursuit is constant and you're not having faith in the moment. You're having faith as a lifestyle because it may not happen immediately. Noah preached for years and years and years so much so to where he became an icon of psychosis to many people. You know Noah? No, who's Noah? The crazy guy building that boat. He's been building it for years. Oh, crazy Noah? Yeah, crazy Noah. But God vindicated him. You know how God vindicated him? You know how God rewarded him? He says, Noah, you build that ark. And I'm going to reward you with the very act of your faith. The very thing you trusted me in doing is the way I'm going to save you. So he says, you build it, you build it out of this kind of gopher wood, and you put pitch here and there, and you build it so high and so wide, and you keep building, and you keep preaching, and you keep building, and you keep preaching. And, that, and trust me, I'm going to reward you. Keep seeking me. Keep building. Keep preaching. Keep seeking. Keep building. Keep preaching. Keep seeking. But Lord, it's not happening. I'm looking crazy here. Here. Keep building. Keep preaching. Keep seeking. Lord, they're calling me crazy by now. Keep building. Keep seeking. Keep preaching. Well, Lord, my family's even starting to look at me sideways. Keep building. I'm a rewarder. I'm a rewarder. And suddenly, the clouds got full of water and everything that Noah had done was rewarded. God vindicated him in the very face of the world. And the same boat that he was so crazy for building was the one that would save him. And the one 
that they could not be saved on because they did not have faith. Mountain View, he's going to reward you. He's going to reward your faith. Keep trusting him. Don't give in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. I have some concerns. I have some concerns that right now there's a crippling thing. I think the enemy is here. He cannot, he cannot do away with the kingdom. He, he cannot cancel you. And when the devil can't cancel you, the next thing he does is he cripples you. And I believe this is a period when a lot of people are being crippled. They're being crippled. A lot of saints are being crippled. Now, I'm not judging you, but if this is not you, don't try to hat on if it doesn't fit. But some of us are being crippled by many things. We're being crippled by depression in this season. Because while we're on guard for COVID, there's a post-traumatic stress that's coming. And that post-traumatic stress is coming because some of us have been confined for so long and we have recreated the world in our image because when you don't interact with people, you in your mind recreate the world. And as soon as it's time to go out into the real world, it is so drastically different from the world you created in your own confined space that you lose the ability to be social in a healthy way then some are going to be crippled by convenience. And you're going to lose the benefit that God established of coming together and interacting. Some of us are going to be crippled by the trauma. Some of us are going to be crippled by depression. The devil is crippling us. Let me tell you something. Noah's faith, watch this, Noah's life turned where his faith broke. And his faith didn't break building the ark. His faith didn't break being on the ark. His faith broke when he got off the ark. It was the aftermath. Sometimes you're surviving with so much adrenaline that you don't even realize what happened. And that is, it, it shows up even in our physical bodies. You can, if something was falling on Jared there and I, and, and I was there to help him, I can be hold up something that is, that is heavy without thinking because I'm operating off of adrenaline. Uh, and you know how it is. When you get in a car wreck, do you know why sometimes you don't feel the pain right then? Because you have a, the, God made us wondrously. We, we have chemicals in our bodies that are released that kind of kind of numb us to the moment and it's not the pain there's no pain in the moment but after the moment after the moment what is your faith going to look like are you still going to seek God or have you given up believing that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Are you still wanting to be close to God? Or are you so consumed with surviving that instead of using a sword, you use a pocket knife? Because a sword is for overcomers. A pocket knife is for survivors. You just got a survival kit, and God says, put on the whole armor. I don't want you to just survive. I don't want you to just stay in survival mode. Put the whole armor on. I made you to be a conqueror, even better than that, more than a conqueror. Seek me, seek me, seek me. I know it don't seem like it, but I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward your faith. 
your faith is going to make sense. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't worry about who thinks what about you. Don't worry about just keep seeking me. If you're at home and you can find a home, keep seeking God. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't develop bad habits in this season. Don't develop things that take you away from God. God says, keep seeking me. Keep seeking me. Keep trusting me. Keep trusting me. Keep seeking you. Seeking me. Get off the timeline if you need to. Get off Facebook if you need to. Turn the news off. Take a break. Open up the word of God so that you understand that God is in the midst of all of this. And at the end of the day, stop talking bad about the president. I know that's hard. But I read somewhere that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord and he turneth it whithersoever he willeth. I also read somewhere that I would that all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, praying for magistrates and, and potentates and those in authority. It may be that things have not changed because the people who God said to pray for him not doing it. God says, I said pray. He didn't say I said like him. Pray. And if it's and without faith, it's impossible to please me. So if I tell you to pray and you pray without faith, you can't even please me with your prayer. Pray in faith. I know that's hard. And I'm preaching to me too. But I, it hit me. We, who did God tell to pray? If people that don't know God can't pray. And the people that know God stop praying. We can't complain about how the world looks if we stop praying. And we stop seeking him. God bless you. I hope you heard what the Holy Spirit had to say. That's what we wanted to end on. The bedrock of salvation is faith. Uh, you have to believe in what who he, that he is. And you've got to believe when it comes to your salvation that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You've got to take it real personal. I, I, I'm not saying you believe this is not mental ascent. And I've learned something about mental ascent. That it doesn't matter how much you prove from the word of God what God says and that the gospel is true. There has to be a heart. There has to be a heart faith. Because people will hear the facts and still deny it. Have you ever told somebody, well, if I can prove this to you, will you do this? And you proved it to them. And then you said, do you see that? And they said, yeah. And you say, are you ready? And they say, no. Well, what's the problem? The problem is people's faith will override facts. Or the lack thereof will, over, will disregard facts. So it don't matter. It's not about just proving. You can prove it. But at the end of the day, the Lord has to open your heart. And I believe there's somebody here even or somebody watching. And uh, you want to give your life to Jesus. And you want to be pleasing to God. I can't see how anybody wouldn't want to be pleasing to God at this time. I can see how we would struggle to be, but I can't see how anybody would not want to please God in this uncertain season. I mean, oh my goodness, you don't want to please God. You need God <laughs> more than ever before. 
As a matter of fact, I would not say more than ever before. No, God is just showing him, showing some many of us how much we need him. Because the facts are not helping. The facts are not helping. The facts are not hopeful. The facts are not giving any confidence. So we need God. And if you're here and you need to give your life to Christ, you need to do it right now. Do it right now. Do you believe that he is the son of God? Jesus says that he that believeth not that I am he will have one that judge him in the last day. Why do I have to believe in who he is? Because if you believe who he is, you can believe what he did. And if you can believe what he did, you can trust in what he did to save you in spite of what you did and in spite of what you can't do. And what is it that you did? We sinned. We are in sin. What is it that we can't do? We cannot save ourselves. So God, in the fullness of time, sent Jesus Christ. And he says, guess what? If you believe on that sacrifice of Christ, you can be saved. Why do you, what do you mean you can be saved? Hebrews, uh, the Bible says in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. I still believe that you have to repent. I believe the unrepentant person uh, is in a very dangerous state, okay? Unrepentant, what does that mean? That means I want all that God has to offer, but I don't want to submit my life to him, all right? I want you to take care of me, but I don't want to call you daddy. I want you to provide for me, but I'm not ready to call you my provider. I want you to cut my hair, but I don't want you to be my barber. I want you to give me, uh, uh, I want you to get, give, give me micro, micro links, but I'm not going to make you my beautician. You get it? It's the benefit without the commitment. You know? I want us to get together, but I'm not ready to be married. Let's move in first. <laughs> and nobody's talking about that anymore. Let's move in. Let's make a happy home. Oh, I don't want to get married. I want to make a home without being an official family. That's what we do with God. When we want the benefit of belonging to him without changing our hearts and turning our hearts toward him. Confess that he is the son of God and you can be baptized today. Can you baptize someone in the pandemic? Yes, we have our sister that just got baptized a couple of weeks ago. Uh, where are you? There she is. She gave her life to Jesus. I can't think of a better time, amen, to give your life to Jesus than right now. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for it? Well, I come to church. Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please him, right? It's not impossible to come to church. You just, you're coming to church. Ain't going to please him if you don't have faith.